So uh, I just want to share a message with you uh, related on the uh, proper or the prodigal son story. Uh, a couple uh, months ago, I guess, I had a great visit with a, an old man, a really old man, one of my greatest mentors. He's 100 years old. He's in a nursing home in Vancouver, but he still takes three appointments a day, which you can sign up through his online, uh, online calendar. And so I did. I signed up for an hour with Jim Houston. He's the founder of Regent College. He was mentored by C.S. Lewis back at Oxford. And uh, it's had a huge influence on my life and many others. And uh, when I sat down and we exchanged a few pleasantries, then he launched in with this opening question, well, kind of provocative idea, really, where he told me that anybody who's going to hire a pastor these days, the first question they should ask is, have they been fathered? Which I'll admit, I've never heard anyone quite say it that way. And I was kind of like, what am I getting? What am I hearing? But he, he started talking to me about how Unless a person has been fathered, um, there'll be terrible pastors, you know, abstract and academic and out of touch and isolated. And uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to track with him. He's English. He's 100 years old. He's in, you know. Um, but actually, I'll admit that even in the classes I took with him, I sometimes struggled to understand what he was saying. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? Now, as he talked further, I realized what he was really saying was, how have people been fathered? What, if they've had a father, what kind of father have they had? And he was, I think he had been reflecting on a recent conversation he'd had with the search committee at a church when he realized that in spite of all the things you're looking for and all the questions that are being asked, no one was asking the obvious question, has this guy dealt with his dad issues? That's basically what he was trying to say. Because you gotta. And so he was pushing me to reflect on, you know, what kind of dads have we had? What kind of dad have I had? I'm thankful for the dad I had. But he was, he was pushing me and others to reflect on, have we been fathered? What kind of fathering experience have we had? Because how we were fathered, if we were fathered, has a direct impact, of course, on our relationships, on our souls, on our ministry, on our way of being in the world. And we know that we can be tragically deformed by our fathers, wounded, isolated, unable to relate or heal or protect, unable to fully love. And I've worked with lots of people who've struggled to get over a bad dad. And of course, some of us, we know, have had dads. As a result, we have had more health, more security in our identity. We're moving toward wholeness and able to receive and bring healing and protection and self-giving love to the world as is needed. And the reality is most of us, of course, when we think about our fathers they are somewhere in between tyrant and saint, right? Somewhere in between there, hopefully closer to the saint side, but hey, reality is we have been loved by imperfect men who in their frailty cared the best they were able to care with often the resources that they had. And they left us both wounds and gifts, struggles and strengths, and we have inherited their emotional and relational legacy in ways that sometimes we hardly realize. And so taking my cues from the oldest living saint that I know, Jim Houston, who's 100, and would take an appointment with you next week if you'd like, I'd like to offer just a few reflections uh, for all of us. Because in some crucial way, I think we need all to be re-fathered, if I can make up a word, re-fathered by the greatest father of us all. In some crucial way, we need to be re-fathered by 
the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the Holy Spirit, who adopted us into the Father's family, has given himself to us through Jesus Christ, is our truly loving Father. However we've been fathered in this world, this Father can refather us if we let him. And I think we must let him. So whether we're 85 or 25 or single or married or have kids or don't have kids, whether we had a great dad or an appalling dad, all of us need to let the Father become our true Father and reform our lives under his paternal care. And so I just want to reflect a little bit on the parable. I know it's cold. I'll be quick. The first need for all of us, of course, is to return to the Father. In this famous parable, the youngest son Um, he gets the most focus because he has the big return. He's the one who took the money and ran. He shamed his dad. He spurned all that was good and gracious in his life. And while the parable is really about the return of this young squanderer, we always remember that it's been told, it's being told to the elder brothers, the ones who are standing in the background, resenting the warm reception that's being given by the father to the prodigal. And this parable is being told to those guys. But returning to the father is an important point in this story. Especially for this youngest son who realizes he's messed things up as he's reaching for more pig food and is denied even that. And it's tough not to see his return, though, as almost as self-serving as when he left, when you look at the parable. But the father doesn't seem to care. He's just happy that his once lost and presumed dead son has returned home. But the eldest son, sulking outside, he's also being called to return to the Father. Not literally, because he never left, but to return emotionally, or to return relationally, to return to the Father with his heart, with his mind and his soul, because it turns out that the elder brother is just as estranged as the younger one was, though it may have looked very different. The truth is both sons are being called to return, because both sons never really knew their father never really understood his character or his grace. They need to be refathered. We must return to the father, this is the second point, so that we can be reformed by him, reformed by the father. Both of these alienated sons must come back to the father to come under the father's good authority and let him reform their hearts, reform their minds, reform their very way of relating to him as father. Their lack of knowledge of the Father had in fact deformed them, driving one into destructive debauchery, but grinding the other one down into graceless religiosity. Both boys were damned without a good dad, and they didn't know they had one. The youngest son is expecting to grovel for some crumb of compassion, and he's met with astounding generosity. The father runs to him. Cast aside all social decorum. The best robe comes, likely the dad's own robe, covering over the piggishness of his son. The ring signaling his renewed standing as his son. The sandals that he's no one's slave. The fattened calf to celebrate with the whole community who had also watched the appallingly shameful behavior of this son. The son, from the moment that he arrives back, is being refathered by his father. And his whole perception of his father is now taking on a new shape, a new form. This is what true self-giving grace looks like. He should have been shamed, scolded, maybe shunned, but he's welcomed back by the father's shameless grace. Whatever else this youngest son had thought of his dad, he's now being reformed 
by his dad's love, his dad's response. And I think that's often true of us, right? It's often only after our failure that may be disgraced that we discover the father's restorative grace. But the older son who stamps his foot and refuses to come in, he too must be reformed. He's been obedient, sure. But he doesn't know any more of his father's true character than the younger son does. His cold, religious heart has seen only duty where he's actually been experiencing grace all along. He's been working like a slave. I love the light. You didn't even give me a young goat. How many of you ever said that to your dad? Um, Thinking, he thought of his dad as a stingy, controlling dictator when his dad's been offering him freedom the whole time. And so the father reaches out to this obstinate older son, assuring him of his love, coaxing him back into the party. And this isn't just an attempt to change the way this son feels about his brother. It's also overturning the callousness of his heart toward his dad. He has seen his dad as a tight-fisted killjoy, when in reality, all that the father had was his. So he too needs to be reformed by the father so he can be free and live. And whether we identify more with the younger or the older son, we must each return to the father so we can be reformed by him because we all carry various diseases or deformations due to the frailty, the inadequacy, and the sin of our earthly fathers. Some who are still present, some who are absent, some were harsh, some were gentle, but all of them falling short in some way. Fundamental to our lives as followers of Jesus is that we follow Jesus into a reformational relationship with his Father, letting his Father heal our wounds, letting his Father reshape our identity as children who are now loved, children who are valued, children who are disciplined, children who are blessed by a Father who's present to us in ways that we never will fully understand but can fully experience because he's here and he's ready to receive us back and to reclothe us and to reinstate us with all of his fatherly authority. Or even to come out of the darkness of our fear and loathing, our graceless religiosity that needs coaxing us back into joy of the heart and letting us dance in freedom. And so we submit to the Father's reframing so he can work his fatherhood into us. And this isn't just some nebulous thing. This represents for us a kind of submitted engagement where we acknowledge the ways our earthly fathers have deformed us. We acknowledge the way they formed us well, too. But we let the Holy Spirit work into us the Father's own forgiveness. We do the hard work of maybe therapy, maybe spiritual direction, maybe engaging a spiritual friend, where we bring out into the open with someone who's trusted our hurts and our wounds so that we can receive the Father's blessing and healing. Maybe we journal about it. Maybe we receive prayer ministry. We continually meditate on the Father's word so that that can become our living truth. But I think it's true for all of us. We need to hear it clearly. The Father wants to reform us through his fathering. Like the Father in this parable, this is our Heavenly Father's desire both for the 'er ne'er-do-wells and the never-do-wrongs, both the prodigals and the proud, to be returned to the Father and reformed by Him. Which brings me to the final point. It's only as we're reformed by the Father that we can become the Father's children, both fathers and mothers, friends and ministers, that this world so desperately needs. There's many brilliant moments in Luke, so many jaw-dropping truths in this prodigal parable, But one of the ways this parable pushes us to respond is in how it ends. 
It ends hanging wide open. The father's appeal to the elder son to come in and celebrate the lost brother's return, but then it gives us no indication in the parable of how this elder son responded. It's brilliant because we're left wondering, how did he respond? Did he return with the father? Did he respond to his grace? Did he submit to the father's reframing of his identity, of his brother's redemption? Did he let the father reform his heart and life? Did he come into the party? We don't know. And we aren't meant to know. Because here at this moment in the story, we're invited to put ourselves in the place of the elder brother. We're invited to fill in the blank, to decide the action, to to respond to the father ourselves. And it's our response to the refathering of the father that will determine our ongoing lives as children. Will we be sons and daughters of this gracious father, letting his heart and his character, his grace and his love actually reshape our very souls? Each of us are invited to provide our answer to finish this story. And that's true for every one of us, men, women, boys, girls, followers of Jesus, people still exploring who Jesus is, whether we've had stellar dads or disappointing ones. But if you'll let me, just as I finish today, let me make a direct application for those of us who are fathers. And those of you who aren't fathers, I hope you'll just allow me to do that here on Father's Day. Fathers, unless you will return to your Heavenly Father and let Him reform you as His Son, you'll not be able to father your own children as they so desperately need. I'm not talking about being a perfect dad. None of us are perfect, and our children know it, or they soon will know it. But I'm talking about being a dad who's being actively refathered by the best dad ever, by our Heavenly Father, so that the way that we then father, the way that we love, the way that we listen and attend to the hearts and souls of our children, the way we pray for our children, the way we model integrity, the way we display strength and grit, the way we display gentleness and respect, the way we exhibit moral character and business ethics and love for neighbor, the way we ask for forgiveness when we make mistakes, the way we model transparency and emotional growth, the way we pursue our wives within the God-ordained covenant of marriage, seeking to lay down our lives for our wives as Christ laid down his life for the church. All of these ways flow from our Heavenly Father who is reforming us as sons. Being a good father requires that we be refathered by a good God. Which means, practically speaking, men, you're called to engage this work, to seek out the Father, to process your own less than perfect Father figures, acknowledging both the gifts and the hurts, the glories and the prejudices, the emotional strengths and weaknesses you inherited from your earthly dads. You're responsible to become the men and the fathers your children need. Do not father your children by accident or by default, operating only out of the resources you inherited from your earthly dads. Choose to father by intention through the sufficient and life-giving resources you inherited from the Father through Jesus Christ. And what does this mean practically, dads? It means a few things. Make your relationship with your Heavenly Father your top priority. It is only under His care that you will flourish as a father. 
Make the reading and the studying of God's word, the Father's word, your greatest input. Because it's only under Scripture's authority that you can operate with God's grace and truth. Make the reformation of your heart and mind and body and soul your daily task. For it is only then that you can lead as you are called to lead. Make the companionship of like-minded men an important part of your schedule. For it's only in the supportive community that we can truly become all the Father wants us to be. Iron does sharpen iron, and we need sharpening. And those of you who are older fathers, whose children are already gone, your work's not done. Embrace your place as a companion to your adult children, as a grandfather or an uncle or a spiritual friend to a younger generation, often adrift without fathers. And those of you who have not had children... You're not off the hook either. We need you to walk together in this family of God, asking the Spirit to reveal to you the people in your life and our community who need a father figure. They need a father figure who's being refathered by God the Father. So you can pray and support and love and encourage and walk with people who might otherwise be fatherless. There are so many fatherless people around us and they need the experience of loving fatherhood, of empowering mentors, of big brothers, of caring protectors and wise guides. I've seen childless men become breathtakingly significant as spiritual fathers to fatherless kids. And the call for you is to be that for them. And can we all see the difference that this would make in the lives of our children, yes, but in the lives of many others, both young and old, if more of us, yes, more men, but more of us as God's children, men and women, being reformed by our good Heavenly Father would live out His character, His grace, His acceptance, His wisdom, and His joy in the lives of others. Can we all embrace the Father's call to come to Him and let Him re-father us because there is a party going on with the father's grace on full display and he wants everyone to get in on that celebration let's pray we're going to sing one more song crystal's going to come but let's pray together lord jesus thank you for showing the father to us thank you that we can be refathered by your father and we ask that we would be open to you and all that you want to do in our lives and today on this father's day we do bless you for good fathers, for fathers who have given of themselves to us, who even now are guiding and shaping the lives of young ones. We ask for your blessing upon them, for courage and strength, for wisdom and love. And may we as a community of fathers and mothers of brothers and sisters allow you, Father, to re-father us so that more people experience your good fatherhood. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be that for each other, to give glory to you. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.